3: uh, and everybody's excited about that. We talked about that a decent amount in the first hour of the program. But there's also some other interesting news coming out of the Pac-12. And before, uh, we, I mean, I've said this for a while, but if you were going to rank the colleges based on the likelihood they were going to play college football and or fall sports in general, I think it's fair to say that the five major conferences would look like this. SEC, most likely to play and I base that on the fact that the SEC college football matters more in the Southeastern Conference. The 11-state footprint of the SEC, by and large, has essentially a similar sort of perspective as it comes to life, and high school football is going to be played in this region. We know Georgia basically said, hey, we're going to get it done. Alabama said no changes at all to our schedule. Texas said if you're big schools, we're going to start you a little bit late. But for the smaller schools, you're starting on time. Florida is allowing everybody to go back to practice on July 27th. All of that is moving in a good direction. And I believe that we'll play high school football all over the SEC footprint in the 11 states. So the SEC is the most likely. Next most likely to play, I would say, is the Big 12. There are five states in the Big 12 f- footprint, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Iowa, Kansas, and then West Virginia, which is geographically apart from those other four states, but those five states also have a lot in common. High school football, by and large, is going to be happening there, and I believe as a result there's a good chance you saw you saw the University of Texas athletic director come out and say effectively, hey, by the way, we're going to be... Uh, uh, we're going to be planning on our 12 game season. In fact, we're planning on 50% of fans present. A lot of positive direction and news coming out of the Big 12. ACC, I would say, is the third most likely to play. Uh, and the reason why I say the ACC is the third most likely is you have some schools like Clemson and Florida State, which are, and Georgia Tech a little bit, maybe Miami, which are shadow SEC programs. That is, they aren't that much different than the Southeastern Conference schools. And then you have some schools that are a lot different up in the Northeast, the Syracuses, the Boston College, the Pittsburghs of the world, that are quite a bit different than everybody else further south. But the overall trend lines for many of these places are moving in a positive direction and will be in an even more positive place by the time we get into August and September as football season would happen. So I think the ACC is likely to happen as well. The Big Ten, it appears that even as the Big Ten states are opening up, the states that were really hit the hardest, the Pennsylvanias, the Illinois, uh, the Michigans of the Big Ten, that those states are opening up. I think the Big Ten will play, but they would be the fourth most likely. And then the least likely is the Pac-12. And that's why the news coming out about the Pac-12 is, I believe, so significant overall, uh, because I think the Pac-12 is the most likely to actually uh, cancel their season. But there were substantial reports out there now that the Pac-12 has got everything kind of set up in terms of what they are planning. Um, and so the Pac-12 would effectively make the decision to play in mid-September. And if they are ready to come back by mid-September, then that's really not that wild of a difference compared to when they would have otherwise started. They would be playing 10 conference games. They would begin their season on September 19th. And then the conference would have the opportunity to move around their conference title game, and they could also have three different weekends of flexibility uh, based on whether they need additional weeks built into their year. So this is is pretty good in general as you break down the return of college football. And I've been talking about for a while that I believed college football was going to be played, and there were a lot of people out there that didn't believe That it was likely for college football to be played but i've said i believe they will find out figure out a way to play because there are so many other sports that are going to be playing and because we can learn a lot from all the other sports that are playing and what i mean by that is we've seen i think a pretty substantial increase in overall understanding of this virus since all of the European leagues started to play. And if you look at the European leagues, you had, for instance, the Bundesliga in Germany come back early and they were testing players. And then the English Premier League came back and they haven't had a substantial amount of positive tests either. And then you start to look at the MLS and the NBA and Major League Baseball, which are all starting to aggressively test as well. And you combine it with college football, which has been testing for a long time also, And what you're seeing is there's a pretty decent pathway now for how to play sports in a safe and healthy manner to the best of your ability during the course of the coronavirus outbreak. And so that is, I believe, what we are starting to see is once everybody starts to play, it's hard to argue if high school football is going on that college football can't be played. And it's hard to argue if the NFL is playing that college football can't play. And so I think you start to look at all of the trend lines, and much like the trend lines back in March moved rapidly towards everybody is going to shut down and no athletics are going to be played, rapidly what you are seeing now is the trend lines move in the opposite direction and everything is moving towards playing. And we're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz next about this. But I think the other factor here is there's been this argument out there of, hey, we need to wait until the fall uh, to wait and see what's going to happen, and maybe we move to the spring. But I think what you're hearing and seeing from a lot of different places is the spring really isn't an option for college football. And even for most high schools, they're saying, yeah, we're not going to play in the spring. California, and maybe there will be some other states to follow California's lead, but I think when California made the decision – not to play in this fall, it strengthened the resolve of a lot of other states, interestingly, not to make the same decision as California. In other words, if you are in a high school management or high school decision-making in Texas, Alabama, Georgia, or Florida, four states that have basically made the decision to continue to go ahead with playing football, they all looked and said, wait a minute, why in the world would we allow Uh, for California to dictate what we're going to do in these states. If anything, California deciding not to play in the fall actually made it more likely that the southern states were going to play because they don't want to be seen as following the lead of California. And what they would say, probably, if you talk to a bunch of the college, I mean, the high school football coaches and their constituency, we don't want to follow those crazy liberal ideas in California we're going to play football in Alabama or Texas or Georgia or Florida. Don't underrate the impact of that in not wanting to look like California. So for the Corona bros out there, this is a body blow that the Pac-12, which is the least likely of all of the college football leagues, is putting in place a very logical and what I think is fairly prudent policy to come back in mid-September I don't know that ultimately it makes sense, and I've been saying this for basically a month as long as uh, this news story has been out there about the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceling games. I don't think necessarily that it's going to make logical sense for the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC to cancel all of their out-of-conference games. For instance, I know that the SEC and the ACC have been talking a decent amount about many of their rivalry games. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, Louisville going up against Kentucky, and then also Georgia, Georgia Tech. Those are big games that are very important to many of the people who live in those states. Great rivalry games, Clemson, South Carolina. I think I mentioned if I didn't, I left it out. But they don't require much travel. You get on a bus and you drive to go play your rival. And so there's a lot of argument about wanting to save those games. And I feel bad for people in Iowa, for instance, who love to see the Iowa State-Iowa game. To me, it makes no sense for the Big Ten to have canceled that game. They should give a waiver to the Iowa Hawkeyes and let them play in-state against Iowa State. That's a couple-hour of drive. There's no reason why those teams shouldn't be able to play. But this is, make no mistake about it, a really, really overall positive direction that college football is moving thanks to the decisions that the Big 12 is making. We'll talk about this and more with Jeff Schwartz when we bring him in uh, to talk with us in the next segment. But as we finish off the open here for hour two, I want to tell you, if you love OutKick, and I know a lot of you do because we've tripled our audience since March uh, on this show And a big reason why is because you trust me to be honest with you. If you love OutKick and you want us to continue to grow, some people say, what's the best thing I can do? You can talk up the show, go download the podcast, keep listening with your friends and family, encourage them to do so as well. You can also sign up for OutKick VIP. You get unlimited access to Jason Whitlock and myself compared to every other ability out there. You can comment on the VIP uh, message board. You can comment on our articles. You get a phone line to be able to call to this program when we open up phones so you don't have to wait in line. You can talk directly. Uh, You get a special phone number to call. And right now, at this is the last offer I think I'm going to be able to say this. You get an autographed copy of my book. Thousands of you have signed up. Why not go join the OutKick VIP family? Sign up today. Go to OutKick.com and join the OutKick VIP crew. We come back more with Jeff Schwartz about college football and the NFL. Also a little bit of baseball talk. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. I teased that we were going to have some breaking news, and in fact, we do. We're here in the Geico Outkick studios. I'm joined now by at the Cousin Sal on Twitter. We have been doing Lock It In now for two seasons, and the breaking news I bring him in is we're finally able to come back, and we now are going to be back on television Monday sal we i mean this is crazy i mean the the last several months have been absolutely insane and we'll get into that a little bit but would you have believed if you were setting the over under when we did the show the day of the rudy gobert like testing positive which i think was march 11th right now we're coming back on july 27th would you have ever believed we were going to be off the air that long
0: no, not at all. And people ask me, are you excited to go back? And I say yes, because really, because it signals, well, I like working with you guys, obviously, also, but it signals the return of sports, obviously. Um, I also didn't think. I thought when we came back, though, we would be rid of this. I actually did. So it's a little, uh, it's a little weird. There's a lot of uh, precautions in place in the studio. You, ironically, get to do this from your basement with all the carrying on you do. You don't have to leave your house, so this is fun. But, um, yeah, but I'm excited to get back. And Monday, we're back at it. And please, please, sports, don't fall apart here.
3: Yeah, well, not to brag or draw attention to myself because I hate to do both, but it's actually the third story of my house that I do the radio and <laughs> I television think. From. it's Got a 8, 000, it's an eight thousand square foot mansion again don't like to draw attention to it oh wow oh nice yeah, yeah it's nice, nice. um uh, so what so you're in manhattan beach uh and have been for for pretty much the whole thing uh you want
0: to get my complete address out yeah but no I,
3: I live in i live for manhattan beach is A decent size everybody at uh-huh. fox lives in manhattan beach um so uh but in la let's say uh so what is the vibe there? Like, does it still feel weird to you that sports are coming back? Like, the Dodgers played last night, and I, you know, going into Chavez Ravine is such a really cool sports activity to do, even if, like, you're not a, you know, you're not a Dodger fan, you're a Met fan. Right. But it's still, even for you who grew up, you know, hating probably the Dodgers on some level it's still pretty cool but it feels weird to just see the cutouts and everything else like how much do you enjoy the idea of sports coming back even if they aren't sports as we typically are used to them
0: well i'm gonna give sports a lot of leeway i really am because i'm very excited that they're back and they made a push to come back and you know it's i know it took a lot and the unions is this so much up in the air yeah. so i'm gonna really give it a lot of leeway i'm not gonna get on <clears throat> players who didn't come back i won't begrudge them but uh I am – there is going to take some adjustment, and I think baseball specifically is going to have a tough time, you know, kind of replicating what it's been because – tell me if you you think I'm wrong about this. If the ball leaves the ground, you're going to have a better chance of seeing the tens of thousands of fans that are supposed to be there and are not, and it's bad because, I don't know, everything I've seen with a long foul ball or a long – a home run – there's no way to cover that. There's 30,000 empty yeah. seats. Like, oh, that's depressing. And we'll probably see that in football with like a punt or, you know, anything like that or a kickoff. Um, so that's, that's a bummer to me. Maybe they'll fix that. I know Fox has plans to fill the seats. I have a feeling people are going to hate that. I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully that works out. I'll tell you what, you talk about the Dodgers, and uh, I think baseball is um, it's going to be a radio sport for me, at least. I love the Mets broadcasters on the radio. Um, yeah. Maybe Maybe the same for your local teams. Maybe we go back to listening on the radio. It'll be the the most complete and you know, the most synced up version of uh, the sport that you can remember. And you know, Vince Scully isn't around anymore to do the Dodger games, but boy, how great would it be if he came back just for this season where we didn't have to be reminded that there were no fans.
3: Yeah. It is pretty cool to think about uh, Vince Scully coming back and calling a game and, and, I'm old enough to remember, and I think that's kind of the cutoff because I imagine my kids thinking how crazy this is. I'm old enough to remember two things that I think if you're, I'm I'm 41, but I think if you're 31 and you're listening to us right now, you would think this is crazy. If you're 21, you're like, were you born in the 1800s? I remember waking up, not knowing who won a game and actually getting a physical newspaper to find out right oh, yeah there's a there's a cutoff you remember that but a lot of our listeners don't and then the other thing i remember that people that you just re- referenced that i think a lot of people won't remember is i remember loving being a huge fan of a team and having to listen to a game on the radio yeah like you literally couldn't watch it anywhere and so, like, you get in your car or you would get your, your radio in your house and you're tuning it around trying to get, you know, the best possible angle. And I even remember, so I grew up a Reds fan uh, and I would go to bed and I would, at night, the radio, say, I'm not smart enough to understand how this exactly works, but the radio signals would work well enough that if I twisted the the, the antenna enough way, mm. I could pick up the Cincinnati Reds broadcast. So, you know, Joe right. all Marty Brenneman, those guys, like, you could hear them calling the game and like i would fall asleep sometimes listening to that
0: there's a well and now, and now you have an to 8, think about, right? square foot yard that you they actually <laughs> play in it, right right beside yeah, yeah. you so we have okay. our own we
3: have our own baseball field they're all the, the lines,
0: and they're right there yeah it's nice Um, yeah, I agree. And it's and that baseball, especially with the radio too, right? Because it's, it's, it's like slow and you know, it's, it's nice. It's a three hour pace and there's a pitch every 55 seconds or so. So you could paint uh, like Rachel Bonetti can go out and uh, build a deck and listen to a whole three and a half hour uh, game. So yeah, it's something I look forward to
3: uh speaking of the uh of looking forward to it you have got an incredible uh thing that you are doing uh people here who listen to me know because i promote it all the time we've got outkick rolling at outkick.com you are building your own podcast network uh collection of a lot of different people uh obviously there have been tremendous successes in independent podcast network both in sports Mm -hmm. and otherwise what are you doing what's the plan how can people find it
0: Well, you told me, I I told you about this a couple months ago, and you told me this was a great idea, which actually uh, terrifies me a little bit (laughs) here, but um, it's uh, Extra Points Podcast Network. That's what I'm going to do. It's going to combine sports, gambling, and comedy, nothing really appealing to you, but I think some people like it. Uh, my buddy Dave Damishek and I from the NFL network will handle the uh, flagship show we 're going to have comedy podcasts I have TJ Hushmanzada, Jeff Schwartz, one of the two of the few guys <laughs> ex players who admit to gambling on yes. football. they are going to be uh, they 're going to be hosting a, a sports gambling podcast I have my uh, against all odds crew you remember harry he 's been on your show yeah yo, will have that Jerry Ferrara is going to do a couple of fantasy podcasts and we 're building we 're going to start off slow and we're gonna to build it into an empire and hopefully one day we will have a a studio represented by geico
3: (laughs) their dream uh so uh so i I gotta ask you real
0: quick before we move on have you missed gambling i don't sense that this was you know we we had we had it pulled out from underneath us right when march Madness was beginning i know the fall is your big time with college football and pro football obviously as most people but did you have trouble did you gamble at all on sports during this pandemic
3: not much, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I miss so. I, I, if if you were gonna like put the dollars into into equation, I I probably bet ninety five percent of my money during football. I mean, right. I just am obsessed. Like I, I budget. Uh, 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 don't tell my wife. I'm not even gonna say how much I. But I budget. Bad, a lot, uh, I budget a lot of my money every weekend to be able to uh, to, to gamble on football. Right. And so uh and so I'm obsessed with it. Like I feel literally when football season ends and I go to check the the lines, I really miss it. But I also love to gamble on the NCAA tournament and mm-hmm. then also on NBA playoffs. Because I, I the thing I love about gambling on football is I feel like the guys are gonna try as hard as they can. And so right. if I'm wrong and I lose, I can be like, ah, you know what, that sucks. But at least, you know, I know that the effort is there. Gambling on regular season baseball or hockey or uh, or NBA is so frustrating to me. And we talk about this sometimes on the show because you, one, don't know who's going to play. And two, you don't know how much they actually care. So NCAA tournament, guys care. I mean, that's the what defines their career and the NBA. So I've missed it, uh, but I've missed uh, a lot more things other than – I'll tell you what I've missed is just pulling up my phone and it's like – it's like, you know, an absent feeling when you go to click to see what the scores are or what's happening, and there's just no games listed. Yeah. So it's just the terrible. feeling of picking up your phone and also being able to see the lines adjust. I'm a little mm-hmm. bit of a nerd in that way. I like to look at the lines almost like a stock market and see which direction they're moving. And that's one reason I like betting football so much is because you can get a line on Monday and it can move five or six points by Sunday or Saturday, depending on what might end up happening. So yeah. I've missed it. I know you're deg- like one of the things we bet on was uh, who was going to win the primaries. And yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I probably will bet some on the uh, on politics as the season comes along with 2020. But you desperately have missed it, right?
0: I have for sure. I have to. I kind of have to bet every day. And you know, when I think you mentioned March 11th, I think uh, the 12th was a Thursday, and we weren't sure if we were coming into work. And the Big East tournament had started. Um, That's right. And St. John's, I think, was playing Creighton, and they were up by six at half. And you know, those murmurs that all these tournaments were about to get canceled and I was like you know what this could be it for a while so I put a substantial ridiculous bet on St. John's in the second half and we never saw it because they they just they just pulled the plug and then for the next few weeks it was I'm not even kidding like virtual camel racing and horse and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was terrible. it was terrible was Sim and Madden games like that. who could give a crap about this and just recently golf came back and obviously UFC Dana White's been done a great job with Fight Island and putting that together but yeah, we really need to get back to baseball and basketball and please, please, God, football in the fall.
3: I I also, we've talked about this. I don't care at all about crowds. Like we talked about the fact that Fox put them in, you know, it looked Mm -hmm. different for Major League Baseball last night to not have crowds present or to have the cutouts or whatever else. Um, But I don't care at all about whether or not there are crowds present. I would sign in a heartbeat. You know, we've talked a lot about whether or not college football is going to be back. I think the NFL is going to be back. You're with me, right? Like the idea, I watch all these games on television. I have season tickets but if I don't have to if I don't have the opportunity to go to a game I won't care at all in the football sense. As long as I can watch it on television I'm fine with it. Don't don't you feel like like I don't understand these people who are like, "Oh, we've got to have fans or I won't enjoy it as much." I think that's kind of crazy.
0: 100%. And you know, like I you, know, you actually go to a lot of the games though. And for you to say that that's that means more than me saying it because, you know, I'm offered Rams tickets or I have access to Rams games or Chargers games out here. I'm like no way! I don't want to miss six games to watch the cruddy Chargers and uh, a weird crowd. Anyway, you know, so obviously that would be different this year, anyway. But um, but yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine. And the better, the sharper your television gets, the bigger the screen gets. Um, you know, the, the more boxes you could split it into. There's less and less reason, right, to go to these games, and so I can't. I, I, I'm I'm okay with no crowds for sure.
3: All right, how much have I driven you insane since we <laughs> since we have been off the air? Have you have you at times wanted to strangle me to death?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, like how how is.
3: often how often have you wanted to strangle me to death? Is it more or less pronounced now than it was in May or June?
0: I think it's just like I'm so numb. Right now, and it's it helped that I muted you on Twitter. Um, <laughs> because here's what happened I like you, and I think you like me. We uh, we enjoy each other's company. We, accidentally vacationed together in cancun which is now going to go down as probably my family's last vacation ever on this earth uh, hey, it's we, great
3: you got to spend the last vacation ever right. with me right i mean with who you. else could you have better been with and for people who don't know by the way i don't want to cut but we uh we had a week off we don't get that many weeks off during uh, the television show they right. usually give us off like uh president's day week so mm-hmm. without knowing Your wife and my wife both planned trips to Cancun for the entire family, and Mm -hmm. we then went to a – we spent at least one day together at a Mexican resort. So that in and of itself was pretty ridiculous.
0: (laughs) And we enjoyed it. We had a good time, right? The family liked each other. Uh, We were good. And then this COVID thing hit, and you were uh – you were right there. You were very, very vocal about it, and I didn't agree with a lot of your views. And Benetta and I would talk about it, and we'd say, well, I was like, what do I do? I don't want to hate this guy. She's like, oh, I'll just mute him. I was like, okay, I'll do that. And it didn't matter, because everyone I knew sent me your tweets, like, oh, look what Clay's saying here. Look what Clay's saying there. And I was like, oh, I wish he would calm down. And we even had a little bit of a, uh, uh, I guess what I would call an intervention yes. where we discussed about, you know, we had you on the phone, we said, uh, we're getting a lot of shrapnel here I don't think it's fair I don't you know I don't think it's fair what people are saying how can you work with this guy why don't you quit your job as if everyone agrees with everybody they work with that would be impossible right Uh, so I don't go that far but I was like hey one, one, please just calm down why, why, why do you have to be so antagonistic About this whole thing And uh, you apologize you're, you, know, you're very, you recognize it You're not a complete ass You didn't be like you, you're like you guys are my good friends I don't want this to happen to you But I believe in everything I say And uh, I said that was the problem But we couldn't get past that <laughs> And I don't think it has slowed down. You were you have just been just Look, I think, as aggressive I think it's, it's with all a, it's, a of
3: this stuff. it's a challenge in general, and I, and I do think it's worth uh, an important conversation because I feel like, and I bet you agree, twenty twenty is just going to be. One of the most hellish years that has ever existed in the history of the nation. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're only halfway through. So the political angle, whether uh, for everybody out there listening, whether you are a Trump person or whether you're a Biden person or whether you want to strangle both of them to death because you're like, I just can't Mm -hmm. handle any more politics. It's going to be, I think, a big issue for a lot of people. And then you toss in the coronavirus on top of it, and it just makes it even crazier. Uh, The George Floyd situation, everything else. And who knows what Thanksgiving is even going to look like this year. But I feel like there are so many families out there that are riven and torn asunder. And then you also tie in social media. And so whereas let's say we did a show 25 years ago or 20 years ago, you wouldn't have known what I thought every day of every minute, right? Like, it's not like you're sitting around and I wouldn't have known what you thought or what anybody oh, else thought. How great would that have been? Yeah. yeah, no kidding, right? But so, I think it's I think it's interesting. Like, you and I are, I would consider you to be a really good friend. We disagree on a ton of things, yeah. right? Like, uh, and, and uh, uh, an absolute huge amount of them. But I th- think, hopefully, we're still going to have a good show come Monday and we're going to have a lot of fun with it, I would hope. Yeah. And... I hope that there are other people out there who are going to be similar situations, right? Everybody doesn't agree with everything their coworker says, but there are also a lot of people you disagree with that you like, and I hope that we can at least in some form maintain some sanity in the country uh and 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 i'm not sure whether that's going to be the case or not but that's what we're trying to do
0: look i tell people i was like, we're you know uh, th- this is tough third week in july we don't know actually we we're pretty sure our kids aren't going back to school or at least it's not going to look like it did last uh, august september um we're going to look at the end of july as the age of enlightenment when when november comes with the whole yes. this election stuff. there's no
3: doubt and, and by the everything. way we've been talking about this too we're not going to know on election night who won the election. No, right? no way. Pro- It's probably because of absentee ballots and how many tight races there might be in different states. I mean, we may have a Bush v. Gore-like situation mm-hmm. in 2000 that plays
0: out as well. Right, for sure. But listen, let me just say, propose something. You know you're allowed to delete tweets, right? So when you said in March, <laughs> I'd be surprised if a 1,000 people died, and now you're off by like 140X, and you said Florida is the model state for how to handle this virus, like, just get rid of those so I don't have to keep seeing them in my, you know, text.
3: For better or worse, when I am wrong on things, I come on the radio show and I say, hey, I thought this was going to happen. It didn't. I don't delete tweets. So uh, the, 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 the positive is at least uh, I was not the, the, the expert in England who said over 2 million people were gonna die. And then, did you remember this? And then got popped having an affair. With uh, like breaking uh, quarantine to have an affair with a married woman, that Ferguson right. guy over in England. So while I was wrong on my numbers, at least the positive is so far I have not uh, been caught breaking quarantine to have an affair. That's
0: uh, true. Well, you don't that, leave your house, so that, that that's true. That is, it's
3: hard to have affairs if you don't leave your house. It's accurate. Exactly. Well, I just um,
0: uh, I you know I I appreciate it all. I appreciate the counterpoint of view. Obviously, I'm good friends at this point now. But, i uh oh it's just the victory lack of taking and it's like we're we're screwed here why can't it be that yeah the news sucks they're trying to get the uh, orange disaster out of the white house so they're going to paint the uh the uh not the rosiest picture for sure but also we should wear a mask C- can it be both of those things No, he,
3: no to me it's the same thing i mean like there is a uh there is a I think pretty clear, like, for instance, with the protests that are going on with George Floyd, what I have said, and this is what disappoints me on the sanity level, is uh, I think everybody out there should be on the same page. Like, I don't see this very complicated. Uh, Good cops should be uh, allowed to continue to be good cops and should be praised. Mm -hmm. And bad cops should be charged with crimes and should be uh, and should be forced to be held accountable for what they do. I think like almost the entire universe listening to us right now, whether you're a hardcore Republican, a hardcore Democrat, or think that both parties are awful and you wish that, that you know, that neither were involved, which is pretty much the entire scope of people who are listening to us right now could agree with that. But yeah. uh, but so, you know, making smart decisions for families, regardless of which way you're going to vote. Uh, and I'm not even sure how I'm going to vote, but uh, I, I think that probably you're not going to be voting for Trump. I'm <laughs> open to th- I'm open to that idea. Here's the big question. Do you think that Rachel Bonetta will be able to appear on our show without hating me?
0: <laughs> when I, you, can't see, when, I can't speak. I Rachel. When but, you? But yes. no. No, she yeah, can't.
3: No, she's got, yeah, she's still <laughs> gonna hate me. So I think is it funny if I tweet out later today? Good news, Lock It In is back. You're the professional comedian. Good news, Lock It In is back. Even better news, only one out of three of my co-hosts hates me.
0: Good or bad? Okay. I think that's fair. I don't, yeah. I, don't I mean, I'm, I'm not going to see it anyway, because I have you muted. so It doesn't matter <laughs> what I say, but uh, yeah, I think we can carry on. We could do this uh, stupid little sports gambling show and not, uh, not crush each other um, for the next few months. Hopefully. <laughs> how, how
3: optimistic, uh, speaking of gambling, how optimistic, let's presume that the NFL season is going to happen, which I'm very, I mean, I would be stunned beyond belief if the NFL season didn't happen. How yeah. optimistic are you about the Cowboys? Like legitimate, I know you're a fan, but legitimately when you look at things, do you look at this season and say this is a Super Bowl-caliber team?
0: I mean, you're saying no start and stop. no, we don't have to, I don't have to worry yeah. about anyone getting COVID more than any, anyone else. Zeke Elliott already got it. Yeah, I, I like them this year. I really do. And I'm not I, – I know I go back and forth with this. I'm not – Last year I was all over, them. I thought they were good enough to uh win the NFC East. Remember early on we thought the NFC East winner would have a losing record. Um, I don't think that's the case this year. I think they can go 10 and 6 or 11 and 5. Obviously I think Dak needs to play for that to happen didn't bolster the defense, but offensively, just so many weapons, so many weapons, and just getting Jason Garrett out of there. I know it seems cliche, and I'm, I'm overdoing it with that, but the Clapper and, and going to the Giants, no less, that's even better. I think we have a substantial, substantial advantage in the NFC East. I'd be really bummed if they didn't do anything this year.
3: Which do you think you'll watch most? Uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, uh, probably not the NHL, but with all of these options, this bevy of what I've called kind of a cornucopia of options, which do you think you'll end up watching the most?
0: I have to say, I think the jury's out because um, I think it would be baseball, but I have to see what's visually most disturbing, honestly. I think that's what it's going to come to. Now, the NBA, from what I've seen, looks like it's going to be all it, – it resembles like summer league games, Right. If, from what everything looks like, you know, the way they block out the crowds. Baseball, like I said, they're going to have to do a better job of that. Otherwise, it's going to be a radio sport for me. And I am kind of excited about hockey. I mean, that's going to be like NCAA tournament style. You're going to have from 9 in the morning to nine, eight, 9 at night all these games. So that could be fun to check into. But uh, if baseball could get it together, I think I would say uh, baseball
3: outstanding stuff i can't wait till monday when we actually get back and underway and uh i I hopefully at some point you'll be able
0: to unmute me on twitter all right well i'll I'll send you five tweets to delete and we could uh work from there
3: (laughs) that's at the cousin sal go follow him on twitter get ready for the new podcast network lock it in season one begins on monday everybody's excited about that as you just heard from cousin sal this is outkick the coverage with clay travis
2: dot com slash sports tire rack dot com the way tire buying should be
3: major league baseball returns uh and everybody's excited about that we talked about that a decent amount in the first hour of the program but there's also some other interesting news coming out of the pack 12 and before uh we i mean i've said this for a while but if you were going to rank The colleges, based on the likelihood they were going to play college football and or fall sports in general, I think it's fair to say that the five major conferences would look like this. SEC, most likely to play. And I base that on the fact that the SEC, college football, matters more in the Southeastern Conference. The 11-state footprint of the SEC, by and large, has essentially a similar sort of perspective as it comes to life and high school football is going to be played in this region we know georgia basically said hey we're going to get it done alabama said no changes at all to our schedule texas said if you're big schools we're going to start you a little bit late but for the smaller schools you're starting on time florida is allowing everybody to go back to practice on july 27th all of that is moving in a good direction And I believe that we'll play high school football all over the SEC footprint in the 11 states. So the SEC is the most likely. Next most likely to play, I would say, is the Big 12. There are five states in the Big 12 footprint. Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Iowa, Kansas, and then West Virginia, which is geographically apart from those other four states. But those five states also have a lot in common. High school football, by and large, is going to be happening there. And I believe as a result, there's a good chance you saw, you saw the University of Texas athletic director come out and say effectively, hey, by the way, we're going, be, uh, uh, we're going to be planning on our 12-game season. In fact, we're planning on 50% of fans present. A lot of positive direction and news coming out of the Big 12. ACC, I would say, is the third most likely to play. Uh, And the reason why I say the ACC is the third most likely is you have some schools like Clemson and Florida State, which are, and Georgia Tech a little bit, maybe Miami, which are shadow SEC programs. That is, they aren't that much different than the Southeastern Conference schools. And then you have some schools that are a lot different up in the Northeast, the Syracuses, the Boston College, the Pittsburghs of the world that are quite a bit different than everybody else further south. But the overall trend lines for many of these places are moving in a positive direction and will be in an even more positive place by the time we get into August and September as football season would happen. So I think the ACC is likely to happen as well. The Big Ten, it appears that even as the Big Ten states are opening up, the states that were really hit the hardest, the Pennsylvanias, the Illinois, uh, the michigans of the big 10 that those states are opening up i think the big 10 will play but they would be the fourth most likely and then the least likely is the pack 12 and that's why the news coming out about the pack 12 is i believe so significant overall uh, because i think the pack 12 is the most likely to actually count uh, cancel their season but there were substantial reports out there now that the Pac-12 has got everything kind of set up in terms of what they are planning. Um, And so the Pac-12 would effectively make the decision to play in mid-September. And if they are ready to come back by mid-September, then that's really not that wild of a difference compared to when they would have otherwise started. They would be playing 10 conference games They would begin their season on September 19th, and then the conference would have the opportunity to move around their conference title game, and they could also have three different weekends of flexibility uh, based on whether they need additional weeks built into their year. So this uh, this is pretty good in general, as you break down the return of college football and i've been talking about for a while that i believed college football was going to be played and there were a lot of people out there that didn't believe that it was likely for college football to be played but i've said i believe they will find out figure out a way to play because there are so many other sports that are going to be playing and because we can learn a lot from all the other sports that are playing and what i mean by that is We've seen, I think, a pretty substantial increase in overall understanding of this virus since all of the European leagues started to play. And if you look at the European leagues, you had, for instance, the Bundesliga in Germany come back early and they were testing players and then the English Premier League came back and they haven't had a substantial amount of positive tests either And then you start to look at the MLS and the NBA and Major League Baseball, which are all starting to aggressively test as well. And you combine it with college football, which has been testing for a long time also. And what you're seeing is there's a pretty decent pathway now for how to play sports in a safe and healthy manner to the best of your ability during the course of the coronavirus outbreak. And so that is, I believe, what we are starting to see is once everybody starts to play, it's hard to argue if high school football is going on that college football can't be played. And it's hard to argue if the NFL is playing that college football can't play. And so I think you start to look at all of the trend lines, and much like the trend lines back in March moved rapidly towards everybody is going to shut down and no athletics are going to be played, rapidly what you are seeing now is the trend lines move in the opposite direction and everything is moving towards playing. And we're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz next about this, but I think the other factor here is there's been this argument out there of, hey, we need to wait until the fall uh, to wait and see what's going to happen, and maybe we move to the spring. But I think what you're hearing and seeing from a lot of different places is the spring really isn't an option for college football. And even for most high schools, they're saying, yeah, we're not going to play in the spring. California, and maybe there will be some other states to follow California's lead, but I think when California made the decision not to play in this fall, it strengthened the resolve of a lot of other states, interestingly, not to make the same decision as California. In other words, if you are in a high school management or high school decision-making in Texas, Alabama, Georgia, or Florida four states that have basically made the decision to continue to go ahead with playing football, they all looked and said, wait a minute, why in the world would we allow uh, for California to dictate what we're going to do in these states? If anything, California deciding not to play in the fall actually made it more likely that the southern states were going to play because they don't want to be seen as following the lead of California And what they would say, probably, if you talk to a bunch of the college, I mean, the high school football coaches and their constituency, we don't want to follow those crazy liberal ideas in California. We're going to play football in Alabama or Texas or Georgia or Florida. Don't underrate the impact of that in not wanting to look like California. So for the Corona bros out there, this is a body blow that the Pac 12 which is the least likely of all of the college football leagues, is putting in place a very logical and what I think is fairly prudent policy to come back in mid-September. I don't know that ultimately it makes sense, and I've been saying this for basically a month as long as uh, this news story has been out there about the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceling games. I don't think necessarily that it's going to make logical sense for the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC to cancel all of their out-of-conference games. For instance, I know that the SEC and the ACC have been talking a decent amount about many of their rivalry games. Georgia-Georgia Tech, Florida-Florida State, Louisville going up against Kentucky, and then also Georgia-Georgia Tech. Those are big games that are very important to many of the people who live in those states. Great rivalry games, Clemson-South carolina I think I mentioned if I didn't, I left it out. But they don't require much travel. You get on a bus and you drive to go play your rival. And so there's a lot of argument about wanting to save those games. And I feel bad for people in Iowa, for instance, who love to see the Iowa State-Iowa game. To me, it makes no sense for the Big Ten to have canceled that game. They should give a waiver to the Iowa Hawkeyes and let them play in-state against Iowa State. That's a couple-hour of drive. There's no reason why those teams shouldn't be able to play. But this is, make no mistake about it, a really, really overall positive direction that college football is moving thanks to the decisions that the Big 12 is making. We'll talk about this and more with Jeff Schwartz when we bring him in uh, to talk with us in the next segment. But as we finish off the open here for Hour 2, I want to tell you, if you love OutKick, and I know a lot of you do because we've tripled our audience since March uh, on this show And a big reason why is because you trust me to be honest with you. If you love OutKick and you want us to continue to grow, some people say, what's the best thing I can do? You can talk up the show, go download the podcast, keep listening with your friends and family, encourage them to do so as well. You can also sign up for OutKick VIP. You get unlimited access to Jason Whitlock and myself compared to every other ability out there. You can comment on the VIP uh, message board. You can comment on our articles. You get a phone line to be able to call to this program when we open up phones. So you don't have to wait in line. You can talk directly. Uh, you get a special phone number to call. And right now, at this is the last offer I think I'm going to be able to say this. You get an autographed copy of my book. Thousands of you have signed up. Why not go join the OutKick VIP family? Sign up today. Go to OutKick.com and join the OutKick VIP crew. When we come back, more with Jeff Schwartz about college football and the NFL. Also, a little bit of baseball talk. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
2: Dot com/ slash sports tire the way tire buying should be.
3: Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. I hope all of you are having fantastic Fridays wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We are joined now by Jeff Schwartz. I got to start with this, Jeff. I was horribly troubled by what appeared to be a flooding going on with your pool. Uh, everything was so pristine and perfect not long ago, and then I see on social media. What happened?
1: Okay, so we've got to the bottom of it. We, there's a builder up the road from us, and we're at a lower elevation than him. He built a duplex, and he put twelve downspouts on the on the duplex, as usual, right? But he they all he all routed them to the back corner of his lot. Under the fence, there's nine of them. We saw like the nine, the nine, twelve inch drain pipes under the property going to nowhere. They don't go to a drain. They literally drain directly into my neighbor behind my fence, the other neighbor behind my fence, and into my yard, like straight down. And so, um, <laughs> our landscapers have fixed it on, on our end, but the builder, um, yeah, he's gotten uh, strongly worded uh, phone calls, <laughs> emails, and text messages from my wife and I. Um, and, Who
3: is angrier, I mean, are- your wife or you?
1: When it happened the first time, um, it actually happened again. I didn't post a video of it. It happened uh, two nights ago again. Um, I uh, She was really upset. And then I was like, okay, and it happened one time. Like We'll get it fixed. And in the pool, you know, kind of started to light up again. And you had the pool guy over to kind of help us fix it. And then when it happened again the other night, I was pissed because I, I went and bought flood barriers from Home Depot until the landscaping can be fixed. And so in the middle of a thunderstorm, lightning and thunder, lightning and thunder, it rained three inches at the airport that night, like two nights ago. And um, I'm out there for 30 minutes with these flood barriers, trying to make sure the water doesn't get into the pool. And I did a good, decent enough job. We got more in this. I was pissed. I'm still upset about it because now that I, we investigated why that's happening, um, yeah, it's uh, – we've it's upsetting but the builder he won't do anything about it so i don't know what recourse we have other than what we've we've done now we've basically stopped it it rained last night and there shouldn't be a problem
3: my uh, wife would have been by the way way more angry than i would have been so uh, i was curious what sternly uh worded letters or conversations might have happened there all right so uh major league baseball is back how excited are you for baseball to be back i know you're a giants fan they're playing the dodgers right now Uh, and honestly, given the Giants' status, a 60-game season is probably good for you as opposed to 162, because anything can happen in a 60-game season, Uh, and so it's an advantage in in theory for teams that aren't as good, whereas it's a disadvantage because you want to play as many games as possible if you've got a really talented roster like the Dodgers do. How much is baseball being back, soon to be followed by the NHL and the NBA, a substantial return to normalcy?
1: Well, that's what it's always been about for me as sports returning, especially football. I always looked at it as like a return to normalcy, right? That we have some sort of normal life. I know there's no fans and, you know, there's some crowd noise being pumped in. And, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a little different, but um, it signals that we're, it's working, right? The bubble that the players are putting themselves in, which are not really in a bubble uh, in major league, is working. And this gives me some hope, obviously, that we can see the same success happen with uh, NFL and in college football as well, is that, you know, the players can, can be responsible outside of the facility to make sure that they're healthy enough to play. Uh, the games. And so that's what I'm excited about. You know, NBA back next week and it's, uh, it's all coming. I mean, I watched, you know, I watched preseason NBA the other day. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it to be back and we're finding a to get this done. And, and, you know, the 60 game season is, is odd. It's weird. It's different. Uh, there's not much takeaways from this season. You mentioned the Giants are terrible. I mean, there are some bad teams that could get high. I mean, the Rockies have the ability, I think in the NL West uh, to just, if their pitching is, a little better than last year, they could hit. I mean, you know, there's there's these weird, you know, weird situations where you can find a team getting hot for 60 games. Look at last year, even the opposite happened. The Nationals, I think, were like yeah. 13 and 37 through 50 games. Um, and they would never made the playoffs, obviously. obviously. So uh, I'm just glad it's back. I'm glad to gamble on baseball. I mean, I guess I'm not really because it sucks to gamble on, on, on baseball. But I'm glad we have some sports to, to talk about.
3: Let's circle back around to the NFL, which you just mentioned there for uh, short term. You have players showing up to get tested. And you mentioned something that I think is interesting and I've talked about a lot on this show. The difference between the NBA bubble, uh, where basically everybody has to be inside of one self-contained area, And Major League Baseball, which is going to allow players to basically continue to have their regular lives travel around much more than the NFL would be to be able to play games. Uh, How optimistic are you based on what baseball has done, at least so far, about what the NFL could be capable of in terms of allowing guys to have normal lives, but also playing the games?
1: It's very uh, positive. I think. I think that the the other positive to look at is your college football. For, for the most part, um, you know, players are back on campus. They're working out and they're staying healthy. Like we've only had five or six schools really with high positive uh, test numbers. So um, it, it does. And, and you mentioned baseball as well. So it does give me hope that NFL can make this work. And I think they will make it work. It it's important this year for players to understand that they have to take some responsibility off the field to make sure that they stay healthy, right? Like, look, I know you like going to a bar or a club and those might not be even be open in the States that, uh, that you're in, even though there's there's definitely like in Charlotte, I mean, bars can't be open, but there's a lot of bars that are just serving like grilled cheese sandwiches to so are restaurant now. So they're open. So I mean, there's ways to get by it, but NFL players have just got to make sure that, personally, and comfortable players as well, you know, just stay out of situations that can get them infected. I mean, is it fair? Probably not, especially in a college, you know, a college-age kid to not, you know, go to a bar on a a Saturday night after a game. I, I get that, but so, I hope the players do that. And look, the testing is going to be firm in the NFL. Um, the one thing that I, I find interesting about both, I think, NCAA football and NFL, and I'm not sure that this is being adopted, but the idea of, you know, if you've been in contact with someone who has COVID, who tests positive, do you, know, you then have to be quarantined? And, and if you look at, at what the NFL suggested, it seems that you would not have to be. It says you have to be within contact of someone without a mask for more than 10 or 15 minutes to so then, you will know, have to sit out for two weeks, even you know, do positive, right? Your, your buddy does, and the way it's set up, I don't think they're gonna have to do that. But that's kind of curious to me. Is like, what if your quarterback gets sick? Does a whole quarterback room have to miss two weeks. I don't think that's going to be the case, but that's the one question I have, kind of remaining with the you know, the testing and protocols for both college and NFL is, is what happens in that situation? Because uh, obviously, if you if you lose a quarterback room for two weeks, you have to forfeit those weeks.
3: How much of the? I'm curious. You've been in a lot of these rooms. How much of preparation on an NFL game week could be done remotely?
1: Um, I think you have to be in the room with your coach. Um, For how many
3: hours? Like, how many hours do you need to be there? And you're talking about, not for like your head coach, but your position coach.
1: Yeah, your position coach. I mean, you know, probably, you know, we're in there during the season. I mean, two hours a day, maybe. We're not in there terribly yeah. long during the season. I mean, training camp is a lot more, a lot more film, a lot more. And you know, the reason why you have to be in person is you pay attention. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You know, we've all we've all been on Zoom calls, right? I mean, you got about forty-five minutes at the most where you can pay attention, and that's like if you don't even look at your phone for 45 minutes. mean, I do, I'm, I'm doing seminars and I'm looking at my phone in the middle of a, a Zoom seminar. Just just, you know, just it's right there, right? Well, in the meeting room, you don't have your phone, right? Just you have to focus on what's in front of you, especially for younger players. Uh, younger players need to have, a, in my opinion, a coach there. And it feels like they're going to try to do their best in the NFL to have meetings in person, just, you know, obviously social distance and, and apart. So team meetings are probably not going to happen this year. Uh, there's, I don't know, any facility that can, even the Vikings, uh, Peter King did a good article, your, your, your best friend yeah. uh, the other day did an article. He's in Minnesota. They had a 172-seat auditorium, which is a lot in NFL. That, that's a giant team meeting room. And they can only fit, I think, 47 players in there. Which also is distancing. That's not even enough, obviously, for a team. So I think, I think team meetings will be via Zoom. I think position meetings and group meetings, offensive defense will be in person.
3: Um. How well do you think you would have listened when you were a young NFL player about limiting your risk factors off the field? Because obviously the benefit of what the NFL is doing and also what Major League Baseball is doing is guys can kind of have their normal life. You get to live at your house, you know, like you can hang out with your family, uh, your limited friend circle, things like that. Um, and, uh, and I would think that would have a lot of appeal but how well do you think as a young player you would have followed the rules about not being very socially active?
1: Well, me would have been fine. I don't go out. It's my wife I'm (laughs) living with who used to go out three nights a week. And
3: also, Um, by the way, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but also, by the way, you were a guy hoping to make a team, whereas you're, you're willing to take less risks because if you do something wrong, you're probably like, oh, my God, I'm done here. Uh, yeah. whereas uh, whereas others couldn 't but that 's funny your wife 's out three days a week that 's a good point it 's not just the player it 's whoever you 're living with or whoever you 're yeah. hanging out with
1: yeah um so you know when we were living you know, my second year in the n f l um, you know, we're, we're living together in uptown Charlotte, which is downtown. I know, and, you know, she's going out, you know, three three nights a week, maybe, you know, Friday, Saturday, maybe twice a week, Friday, Saturday, maybe Thursday and whatnot. And so that would be, you know, when I didn't go out, I'm, I'm playing football. And so, um, you know, that would be the concern, obviously, is that she went out. But like I said, it, I'm really interested to see. You know, and obviously, you know, there's 32 different counties the NFL is playing football in. And, you know, every county kind of has their own, um, their own restrictions right now. And I do wonder if counties where really things are restricted, right? No bars open, no indoor dining, uh, you know, no bowling alleys, no movie theaters, things like that, whether or not, you know, those players in those counties are just easier, it's easier for them to just, Avoid people and avoid uh, contracting COVID versus places where you're allowed to go out and you're allowed to uh, to be close, you know, in close proximity with other individuals.
3: Uh, what about college? Let's go to college football. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, of Times' guest host, former NFL veteran. Would you have uh, Would you have in college? Let's say you're 18 or 19 years old. You get to a college campus. Here's what I was told. I, I talked to a bunch of people around college football, and they said the early positive tests that they were getting on college campus were not actually from working out or football-related activities in any way. It was guys getting back on campus and going out to local bars, local restaurants, right. frat, frat houses, uh, chasing girls like would usually happen for 18 and 19 year olds out there. Um, and so a big part of this was the juniors and the seniors on the team set down the freshmen and the sophomores and said, hey, listen, knuckleheads, like this is big for us. We want to play. We want to go to the NFL. We want to you know, be able to yeah. uh, to try to win a championship. And we understand, you know, you're 17, 18, 19 years old. You haven't spent a lot of time on campuses. But we are going to, you know, self-police, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Uh, And it was the individual team leadership that's helped to cause uh, those numbers to go down. Now, That's that's easier said than done in the summer when the campuses aren't filled with as many kids as they might be in August and September. What would it have been like in Oregon? I know I'm asking you to go back in time. Yeah. And how well do you think that style of leadership will take root on a college campus to keep college football potentially able to happen?
1: Well, you're right about it being easier when no one's there. And, you know, it's funny that college presidents, you know, said, hey, you know, we're only going to play this season if, if we're on campus. And we've seen that not be the case. I mean, Cal is going online only. And then their athletics department put out a statement saying like, oh, we're still playing sports. You know, Clemson yeah. and out. They're you know they're delaying I think on on person on person instruction for at least a month and of course they're going to still play football so it's much easier to do all this when no one's on campus to your point and it would have been tough I think as an as an eighteen nineteen twenty year old to to just to not go out ever, Um, you know, at that age, you're excited to go on campus, you're excited to to meet women, you're excited to, you know, kind of live because especially if you're a freshman, right? First time away from your parents. Not only uh, that, you've been locked up already. It's not even a typical
3: freshman experience. You've been locked up since March, maybe in high school.
1: Right, and so um, you know, I I do think that um, you know that that's it would be tough, but I do think the veteran leadership is supremely important here. And and you mentioned a lot of us and young players look up to older guys, and older guys told me, "Hey, man, you know, we're not going out to to bars this year. We're not going out and doing things." I think I would probably listen to them. Um, You know, but it's interesting because I go back to this: like if if your campus is Quote unquote open, which uh, might not be a lot of them, but you don't have the bars open. I mean, what are you going to do to get yourself in trouble, right? I mean, we've seen now that bars have been the place that have been, kind of been a super spreader for COVID. I mean, if you're not, if that's not open, if movie theaters aren't open in your county, um, you know, then you're really not going to find many places to get COVID unless you know, you know you have a lady friend over and she gets you sick. But like, there's not many opportunities to get sick, especially if no one's on campus. Because I, I think that I, I know the college presidents wanted to you know to, to be strong on this, but you know, if you're Cal, for example, and your football team is on campus and no one else is on campus, what's a better bubble than that? Right? Yeah. Like, like you, you've no one around you, and, and you're playing sports. And look. The truth is the money is so grand and that's why everyone's playing. That's why some conferences are doing conference-only schedules, some are obviously trying to still find a way to make it work and I understand, you know, the SEC and ACC playing each other because it sounds silly that, you know, Clemson can't play South Carolina but Clemson can play Miami, right? Just like, okay, well, no, they should probably be able to play South Carolina. Still. So, um, I get why they're, you know, they're, they're they're doing that, but just it 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 could be easier to stay healthy this year because campuses are closed
3: if let's pretend that there's a vote, right? Uh, I want to start with college football. You played college football. What percentage of players do you think would vote and want to have a schedule that they play in the fall college football?
1: 100%.
3: Like you think there's almost no one that would say, I don't want to do it.
1: Oh no! I, I think I think most players want. I think that if there's anyone who doesn't want them to play, it's a, some parents. I think that 100, percent everyone wants to play in the fall. They want to stay on schedule, especially if the NFL is is on is on schedule. I, look, I understand that you know some of these schools in the lower levels don't have the resources to really Because remember, if, if you do this properly, you need space on campus. You need to be able to rent you know possible portable locker rooms and, and portable meeting rooms and put up tents and make things happen. That you can't afford to do if you're a Division two or Division three school. Uh, you know the NFL is testing every day, which I, I think for two weeks is about right. You know it costs seventy five million dollars to test. I mean it, it, it costs money, and and so I get why some of these small schools can't play football. But the players want to play, and I saw something yesterday. John Canzano, who covers um. Uh, Oregon sports uh, up in uh, Portland. Um, he said uh, they had the Portland State head coach on, and they're obviously uh, you know F uh, was FCS, and they had a 100% vote. They'd rather cancel saw 2020 that. than play yeah. in, in the in the fall of 21. Uh, I mean, the spring of 21. So that that tells you everything because it throws everyone it throws everyone off their schedule. It throws you off the NFL draft schedule. Then you know then you have to come back and play within three or four months if 2021 starts on time. So, it, it's not, I, I, I think there's that's why there's a push. There's many reasons why there's pushing to play now. Um, and, you know, we've had some positive vaccine news, which might not affect football, but just life in general, and maybe that's driving some of, of the excitement to get back to sports, because, uh, you know, by the time that hits, football might be over by the time we kind of get a full vaccine um, in the States. But, you know, some of these things are, are, are you know, data keeps changing every day, and we get new news about uh, about COVID and, and whatnot. So, I think that we're moving in the direction of playing football, especially when NFL is happening. College football, I I think, is going to happen. I feel strong about that. All
3: right, you said 100% for college football, and those guys aren't getting paid. They're voluntarily choosing to play. I'm assuming it's like 100% plus then for the NFL where – it's even more imperative to play because you know this better than almost anybody. Your career is likely yeah. to be very short in the NFL. So people say, oh, you know, if you didn't play this year, you make it up next year. That's not true because a guy who might otherwise have played four years might instead play three, right? Like your yeah. body is not necessarily going to, uh, to make, allow you to make money off. I would think almost every yeah. NFL player wants
1: to play. I think so, too. But, you know, the NFL, the, the difference in the NFL is the family dynamic, right? Players have families, uh, they have wives and spouses that, you know, might have, uh, you know, immuno issues, uh, autoimmune issues, I should say, that you know might uh, lead them to, you know, to suffer from COVID more than other people. So there's nothing to consider with the NFL side, but I would think that a majority do want to play. I've been kind of curious to see the way they've handled uh, the PA has some of these negotiations. I, I think for the most part they've done a good job. I think the, the limit of practice time is ridiculous. I, there's no way you can get ready in eight had of practices. I don't understand why they're pushing so hard to never practice. I, I just don't get it. Um, but that's my concern is that we're going to see a lot of injuries on the NFL side this year with only eight practices.
0: Yeah, and,
3: and for preseason, uh, you know, when you come out and let's presume that there's going to be no preseason football, which seems to be the report, and there's going to be a, incredibly limited practices and the NFL is going to come out and play week one. Who's advantaged in that scenario? Because the defense is got to tackle, but the offense has got to be crisply executing. Who would you like in week one, purely from a structural perspective, offense, defense, special teams, how do you assess – an NFL season without a traditional offseason, not to mention a lot of new guys, right? This is why Brady probably has been so aggressively wanting to get his receivers out and work and practice and everything else, because if you're a new quarterback or you got new talent to try to integrate, it's going to be a lot harder than ever before.
1: Yeah, I think you have to segment this up a little bit by kind of where on the field you are. Like in the trenches, the defensive line and linebackers are going to be far ahead of the offense alignment, I mean, there, there's just it simply happens in practice, early in practice, when you put pads on, the defense is just ahead of the offense. Right, like, the offense is a position that needs kind of practice and hitting and, and technique work, and we're not going to get any of that in camp this year. So I would look at that. But on the flip side, you know, you mentioned tackling; it's going to be really, really poor. And sometimes it's easy to get the ball in the hands of your wide receivers and let them run, right? And and, and I think the offenses will do that. But what I'm looking for early on Clay is veteran teams. When I saw the the kind of schedule come out for camp a, a couple of days ago. I bet the Chiefs over total and the Ravens over total. Like I, I never bet overs, but like that, like those two teams are veteran teams that have the same coaching staff that return almost all their starters that don't need. I mean, theory like they're just kind of mentally don't need. All the practices that another team does, I bet the Panthers under the you know they only returned like fifty percent of their starters from last year. Brand new coaching staff, brand new young defense. You know, seven draft picks on defense. I think veteran teams to me are the ones that really will succeed early in the season.
3: Good stuff as always, uh, Jeff Schwartz. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for joining us on Friday, and uh, good luck keeping the pool from flooding.
1: I'm um, doing my best, buddy. Have a good one.
3: Hey, you too. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, oh, oh,
0: alright.